Hey friend, welcome to Houston Mate, a show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey and selfishly gain insights as I build my own business. In this episode, I got to sit down with my very good friend, Jeff Gilmer, who's one of the five co-owners of the very successful company, Pretty Cool. On top of that, Jeff owns a thriving photography business that specializes in breathtaking wedding photography. This is actually the second half of the conversation I got to have with Jeff. So if you didn't hear part one, I'd recommend that you go back and listen to that last episode where we discuss the development of Pretty Cool, the importance of travel, and how much quality control is a part of their brand. Over the last week, I've been able to connect with a handful of you listeners ranging from young teenagers to folks in their 60s, and it means the world to me that the community developing around these conversations is so far-reaching. It's a testament to how important it is that we share our stories, and it very much excites me not only to continue making the show, but also to continue making it better. So as always, thank you for listening and being a part of what we're building here. Now listen in as Jeff and I discuss sorting through praise and criticism, the evolution of his photography business, and the pros and cons of social media for entrepreneurs. You guys have had some pretty cool press exposure. I, I, I allowed myself one of those throughout the thing that I would say pretty cool. <laughs> it's thing. probably why we've gotten as big as we have because the name <laughs> the people name. like to say pretty cool pretty cool and it is pretty cool and it is pretty cool yeah. with an act. never get, i never get tired of it yeah so y'all have had some pretty cool press exposure over the years yeah uh, including publications such as better homes and gardens architectural digest buzzfeed uh you're on the property brothers christmas gift line which is be in their like next one this year too there you go and now obviously the universally loved houston made podcast mm-hmm. aside from this show uh, was there a moment of press that like meant a lot or that stood out you're like this is crazy oh man press um gosh the property brothers one's funny just because like i love hgtv and i'm yeah. just such a nerd with that kind of stuff and i'm like they have a magazine and they want to put us in it do you think they saw it personally? Are, is, is Jonathan or Drew there? Um, yeah. So that's kind of funny, whereas other people might not care as much. I know. Yeah, that's um, super cool. So that one's cool. Um, no, I mean, Architectural Digest, I think, is just probably like the most prestigious or well-known. Um, yeah, things like Design Sponge and um, it's it's been cool. But yeah, I think Architectural Digest, if I had to just like say what's the craziest piece of press or something that would be up there for sure. Does that, do you feel like puffed up a little bit? Like, do you feel like great about that? You're like, yeah, nice. How can you not? (laughs) It's, it's so hard to not like, you're trying to balance, like not trying to sound like an asshole and like, (laughs) like look at all the cool stuff I've done because I know at the end of the day, like I'm here packing boxes. Like that's what I'm doing half the day. Or like I'm doing photo shoots. I'm laying around product and shooting it. Um, So, like, it's not as glamorous as, like, hey, let's stroll into Nordstrom and look at our stuff. Um, And it's balancing that with, like, no, I do need to, like, tell people about the cool places because it it builds on itself, like, a brand. um, You know, it's like when you're famous, the more famous you are, the more free stuff you get. I know. Of course I know. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, you know know, how it works. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, it it is self-serving in a way. Sure. And it feels good. Yeah. But at the same time, it is for the brand's best interest. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we try and balance that. Like, I don't want to be one of those ones where you go on our website and then, I mean, not to like hate on anyone, but 
where the whole front page of the website, you feel like it's like as seen in and like, <laughs> you know, BuzzFeed's top 20 things of yeah. 1996 and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> And it's just like completely self, yeah, like, it's just like self-inflating. Mm-hmm. So it's balancing that with like, no, we're legitimate. Like, mm-hmm. and when you land that first legitimate one, like, I want to say Nordstrom might have been our first like large order, and yeah. we were just like, we got the numbers, and we're like hyperventilating and stuff. Like, can we actually do this? And then yeah. from there, it's it's easier to work with other companies because once one has seen. Mm-hmm. that you've worked with this company then that's like okay well if they work with them they must be legit yeah so there's that side of it and then there's um the money side of it too like once you get more money you can do more things totally. and you can like build out you know our packaging and things mm-hmm. like that like every step we can improve things and you need money to do that and in order to get that money you need to sell your product and yeah. so it's it's like this weird circle but yeah, you kind of have to like self-employed a little bit and you like certainly puff up. Yeah, and tell yeah. people and enjoy. I yeah. you know I, I listen to a, a fair amount of Gary V, mm-hmm. um, and he's constantly saying, "If you don't listen to the praise, you won't hear the hate." Mm. It's like, but Gary, like the praise is really great. Yeah, like haven't you heard? Like it's awesome, and then maybe that's easy for you to say. And I, and and he does feel like kind of like the maybe type D personality or whatever type A that's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm doing to do this. I don't care if it's the right. Like right, he and he yeah. has. He certainly has grinded ground. He's certainly ground <laughs> <laughs> for years. Um, but I, yeah, I absolutely feel like it's like no, I love when people share the show and recommend me as a real estate agent. And like all of that, like it feels great. And yeah. it's good for the business. And I try try not to hang my hat on that. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking to, well, what can I else can I make that's interesting? And that's especially for this, is how can I make this conversation interesting to other people? Right. And, I, and you have to take everything with a grain of salt. I yeah. mean, gosh, there's just so many variables with everything. Like one, like everybody knows you hear way more praise than you hear negative comments. Like yeah. Because people aren't going to go out of their way usually to like be like, uh, oh, this wasn't great or this didn't work for me. Yeah. Like you just don't hear that as much as people that are really excited about your brand or your stuff that mm-hmm. are going to be like, hey, this is awesome. Like, I'm so glad you are doing this or your stuff resonates with me. Um, so we know that that's part of it. You know that like, like I said, stuff happens in shipping and people think, oh, this stuff is not good quality. And it's like, well, no, maybe it just got kicked down the street. Sure. Um, so there's so many variables that you just don't know. So you kind of just have to like take everything, the highs and the lows and kind of, I'm not a stoic, but like I try and be pretty like even keeled and like, yeah. don't get too excited about anything and then don't get too down about anything. Yeah. Cause for me, it's way easy to like stay up with the ups and downs with the downs. Like, yeah, I feel that I definitely yeah. write in the highs and lows and I think yeah. you're certainly an even keeled person. Thanks. And I mean, even more so with weddings, like shooting weddings, like, I've only had like two ever maybe that weren't happy Mm. and like that destroyed me. Like I was like, I shouldn't be doing this at all. Like I can't certainly it's tough. It is fear. It is fear of that moment that has kept me out of a lot of things where I go like, Oh no, but what if I drop the ball and Mm -hmm. and not feeling confident to perform? And with some of the rusty gates media stuff, as I venture into that, those are the biggest areas that stall me out is Mm. like, yeah, you saw me do this one thing and you really liked it. And so you want me to go do this for you. Right. But I kind of just made like, I, I don't know if I can recreate it. I think oh, yeah. I can, or I don't know if it'll translate. I mean, or... that's like imposter syndrome is a big thing with any entrepreneur. I'm sure like that's, a big Oh thing. yeah. 
And I don't know if it was on your podcast with somebody that you were talking to or another one I was listening to, but just explaining like, it's a whole lot of like, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. I'm the best. And like, oh, I suck. I'm terrible. I need to quit right now. And then yeah. you just get on this up down cycle yeah. of like, I am the best in my field. Mm-hmm. Nobody can touch me. Yeah. And then you just are like, oh, I made this rookie mistake that I am clearly not meant to be where I am. Yeah. Um, and it's that back and forth struggle. Yeah. And the, and, I, and I think that the more you do it, the more you experience the high and low, like the, the more you grow a tolerance to it, I would say. I don't mm-hmm. have to say that you're unaffected by it but it, right. again i think you're able to take it in the appropriate quantities a little better of like oh that was really great cool right. i got i've got work to do or oh that sucks well that that does suck and yeah next time we'll get them right exactly yeah totally <laughs> and, and getting through that but yeah to your point like how can you not just you 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 feel what you feel and you have to process it and move on and try well, everybody's expectations are different like you can't mm-hmm. You being in like real estate or me shooting weddings is very different from like pretty cool side of things where it's so much more like one-on-one person focused mm-hmm. and like your expectations meeting what my expectations, they might not align. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of that is like the front end communication. Um, but there's variables that you or I can't control in our, our businesses. Oh, like I can't control if it rains on your wedding day and like, we can still get beautiful photos and like yeah. we can create a mood and a vibe and like it will recreate and be true to what the date was, but you will not get that yeah. beautiful, like sun popping image that yeah, you're envisioning. Yeah. Right. Whereas the same with you, like you can't control it if a seller doesn't accept an offer Totally on either side of the process. Like they could have made an over ask, no other offers on the table. And they're just like, yeah, I'm good. That's yeah, And that's you can't, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. like, that's devastating for that couple. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And it is expectation management. I mean, that's so much of real estate yeah. is expectation management of like, here's what we're getting to. And yeah, that's that. I think that's really, really well put. Let's talk a little more about your photography business. You've been doing that for a long time. And I, at least in some regard, mm-hmm. because whenever I interviewed, was doing the research for James Samaniega, the tattoo artist, yeah. and I, I just went on his Instagram feed and like scrolled all the way to the bottom, which yeah. is how long that takes. And then, cause he's tattoo artist, so many <laughs> pictures. And then I, I found one and it was a video of him and it was, uh, there was, he, he, tagged you in and was yeah. like oh man this video like throwback video of my skateboarding days uh, like shot by jeff gilmer and i was like that's insane because that was a long time ago mm-hmm. so photography videography let's talk about that where has that where did that begin for you and your business now yeah photo um like junior high is kind of when i got into photography uh doing yearbook stuff like that at school you were in yearbook yeah oh heck yeah i was i was the senior editor of my high school yearbook this yeah is, this is stuff that new knowledge that's being dropped <laughs> so you're doing photography for yearbook yes doing photos for yearbook this was a long time ago in the <laughs> 90s uh so things were on film which sure. the kids might not know about um but yeah so everything was like developed on film so i kind of pursued that and went to college and was studying information systems because that's what several of my friends did i was you know into computers and being my age, like early age, you know, early days of computing, like mm-hmm. DOS based. Our yeah. first computers were DOS based and like large floppy disks yeah. and things. And so it made sense. And I just did not 
resonate with it when I was in college and I was like, I just can't do this. And I love photography. And I was like, I'm going to drop out of this four year school and go do an associates in commercial photography. Really? Yeah. And, um, much to my parents chagrin, of course, um, didn't think it was the wisest move and it probably wasn't, you know, sure. Friends that went down that path are very financially successful. Yeah. Um, but so I was like, I just should do photography. That's what I love. And, um, and so those early days, early 2000s, I'm doing this program and skateboarding is a big part of my life. Then it's like all the 2000s. Yeah. You know, let's say 2000, like late high school until I'm like 30. Skateboarding is like a big part of my life. And so I'm shooting skateboarding and a lot of my friends that James, James, like he said, was a, a hustler too. Like he had therapy, his clothing brand that he has started and like hustling shirts and <laughs> collabing with really cool artists like Michael Sieben and stuff to do shirts. And, um, and so I'm shooting stuff and then my friends are progressing. They're getting better. Like you said, some of our friends went pro or like mm-hmm. high level am and stuff and starting to get stuff published and like Thrasher and like skateboard mag and yeah. these things and going on road trips, going to California, Man. meeting, meeting at the slap offices in San Francisco and stuff like that. And thinking like, yeah, this could be the route, like photography, skate photography. And um, I loved it, but it was never going to be a career path. And I think I probably realized that pretty early. Like, there's just not a long runway, even in a behind the scenes thing. Mm. Like, you're going to age out pretty quickly in that world. Sure. And this was obviously way before, like, skateboarding's in the Olympics. Or (laughs) or even, like, X Games are huge and, like, people are getting paid People are getting million, multi-million dollar contracts and yeah. sponsored by like Powerade and stuff like that. Um, it was just it was a generation then. after us yeah. that skateboarding really right. got maybe got it to do. If it were, yeah. I mean, it was still very underground. Right. It was a it was a scene. Like yeah, it, so it was definitely a scene. It was on the cusp of. It was already pretty mainstream at that point. I mean, you started to see like mall shops popping up and zoomies yeah. and things like that. Um, so it's kind of that in between phase, um, but it it definitely wasn't the cool kids or skaters at the early ages of sure. us skating. Yeah. Um, so back to photography. So I, I studied commercial photography. I get that associates and I'm starting to shoot a lot of skate stuff, but then I'm like, well, I need some more stable work. So I start like assisting people doing like commercial shoots, like PA kind of stuff. And, um, just at that age was not mature enough to treat myself as like a business owner mm. or like self-employed managing yeah. that. And, um, so it got to the point where eventually I just needed to get a job, mm-hmm. like need a grown up job yeah. and was thinking like, do I go back to school? I'm like applying for stuff at yeah. this point. I was like thinking I almost went to pastry school wow. to be a pastry chef. What a different life. I know. I know. And, um, as I'm like applying that, filling out applications and like, almost about to go like getting student aid lined up and stuff like that and uh financial aid and get a full-time job at the symphony and um worked there for six and a half years loved it great organization i love working in the arts i grew up you know my mom's a ballet teacher my sister's a ballet teacher she had her own business yeah. um, ballet studio and um so being around classical music being in the arts was fun um and then that's when i started shooting weddings um as like a side hustle. As like a side hustle and just, just like something like I, you know, 
because that photography itch was still there and like I would shoot street stuff just for fun, like travel stuff, Mm -hmm. occasionally shoot skate stuff from time to time. Then I was kind of phasing out at that point. And, um, and so I met my friend Joe West, who's a fantastic, amazing wedding photographer here. And he's the one that really like pushed me towards wedding photography and, um, give it a shot and stuff. And like, it really clicked. And I think it was, it was something I'd never wanted to do. And like, zero desire thought it was hacky um sure you know my image of what wedding photos were based on my personal experience with friends family i'm like just photos are bad like, yeah a lot of staged yeah it, just it, it was like school photos cheesy comical yeah, yeah pose at, <laughs> at church yeah it's right there. absolutely um and so he showed me like how it can be cool it can be like mm-hmm. high art and yeah. um that side of things so once i got into that plus it's like working with people one-on-one which i love like mm-hmm. those types of relationships and building that. Um, so it clicked and it's just grown year after year. You know, I've been doing it probably seven, eight years now um, where it's, it's a legitimate, if I wanted to just do that, I could do that right now. Mm-hmm. I'm at a place where I could. And I love pretty cool too. And both of them allow me the freedom and flexibility to do both. So as long as I can manage both, um, yeah, because like you said, I've been at a place before where I was working a full time day job and doing both of those things. Goodness. So now, like my stress level is so much lower. Mm-hmm. Um, managing my own time, like not having to be any other than like shooting a wedding or like yeah. making sure something gets out here. Like more or less, my time's my own, and um, that's been so freeing. And I don't know if I could ever go back. Yeah, to working a desk job. Like it would be very difficult, even though I've worked some great places with great people and liked the work and I love the stability and insurance is awesome and all that stuff. (laughs) But like the freedom is something that, yeah, it's priceless basically. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, for sure. I I think unless it was just an obscene and it would have to be a truly obscene Mm -hmm. amount of money. Which right. would just that I would then use to do more of the stuff that I want to do. Like, right. Okay. Well, there's a timeline on this. How long can I pull this off until oh, for I sure. can run to the horizon with this bag of money? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, like if I grind this out for ten years, I can retire kind of money. Yeah. Like that's that's what it would have to be. I don't think I commit to anything for ten years. <laughs> like give me a, a year or two. At I mean, if you got a contract, sure, and it was a ten year contract, and that number was that's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ten years from now, eight figures, something for sure. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) You would grind it up for ten years. You're certainly right. I would sign a. I'd sign away my life for ten years. (laughs) I think about it. Like, yeah, yeah, forty three. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Your kids aren't even out of the house yet. No, they would be great. They could do it. Um, So if anybody has any bags of money around, (laughs) please feel free to do that. Um, Photography. As you you've done that and you're doing it now, Mm -hmm. how many how many weddings are you shooting a year? Mm, depends on the year, but anywhere from... Well, I guess this has been a weird year. But. Yeah, yeah, 2020 was a very weird year. Um, say 12 to 15. Like, I try and do like one or two a month. Um, yeah. Not crazy, not overload myself. But I also, again, I'm bad about like consistently posting and drumming up business. And everything is fairly word of mouth, mm-hmm. uh, more or less, with weddings. And it is a very um, referral-heavy industry, mm-hmm. of course. And which is good. Like it really speaks to your work when you can book things. And like I shoot a wedding and I start to book like the bridesmaids that are getting engaged later and stuff like that. And that's really fun. Um, it's taking me to cool places, um, you know, shooting in other places, country, states, things like that is always cool uh, and feels good. But 
yeah, I love it. I love shooting weddings and don't see myself stopping that anytime soon. Yeah. Um, and you've got, I mean, you've gotten some good publication and press with that. I mean, it seems like the wedding photography industry there, I mean, there's tons of magazines and mm-hmm. stuff because it feels like the, the bridal industry is a very lucrative industry. So it's a lot mm-hmm. of that, but you I mean, you seem to, yeah. uh, at least from my perspective, it seems like you've gotten some good press and had some success. Yeah. And too. it's, it's picked up recently the last couple of years for sure. Um, most of the publications are pretty hyper localized because most weddings are going to be all local vendors, mm-hmm. whether they do it at a destination or not, they're probably going to pick most vendors from one location. Yeah. Um, so like Houston based or Texas based magazines, blogs, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to focus on like, here's all the vendors we recommend. Here's photographers, videographers, caterers, like, you know, event supply yeah. stuff, venues, all that. Um, so a lot of local press recently. Um, so that's been great and helpful and, uh, the bigger you get, the less you have to go out of your way to get that kind of stuff, just mm-hmm. like with everything else. Um, so you, you start to work with like bigger planners or work at bigger venues. And those planners are obviously trying to like drum up business for themselves. So they're yeah. going to submit stuff for publication. Whereas in the earlier days, it's all on you as a photographer. If you want your work to get out there, you're submitting it. Yeah. Now, I still have to submit my work if I want a shot at getting it out there. And nine times out of 10, you get denied. Like it is a very competitive market really, uh, in wedding photography for yeah. sure. Um, but now I have the plus of like, Oh, I'm shooting these weddings that have great planning companies and teams that want to get their work out there. Or I shoot at a venue and the venues happy with the photos. And so they're like, Oh, can we put you on a preferred list? Yeah. For when brides or grooms or whoever come to us first. Because it makes them look good and yeah, yeah, it yeah. Gets, helps them get yeah, more they get yeah, they you... get good images. Like that's the good thing about my career being a content creator. It's like everybody wants content yes. nowadays, especially. Yeah. And so it doesn't I've already sold this wedding. Like I've been paid for it. And so if it helps you, then I'm glad to give it to you. Just put my name on it and credit yeah. me. And then it's just it builds upon itself and it's mutually beneficial and um so it's cool it's it's yeah yeah you talk about social media and and even in you said uh, even you don't feel like you post enough and you're yeah. consistent with all of that how do you i mean how do you like what what position do you kind of take on this social media being good or bad or neutral how do you feel about all oh of that gosh that is a <laughs> tough one I am so torn. I I don't know um, if I have just like a flat opinion on sure. it. Um, I, I mean, because I'm sure that as a there's like as a business, you're like yeah. So I in my mind, it's yeah. The and no, though. Okay. No, because once they have you, um, they have the ability to like suppress you. So there's all these businesses that have grown and become they are Instagram businesses or TikTok businesses or whatever, and you get blocked out of that platform. For whatever reason, like you hear all the time, like accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers, millions of followers, like Instagram was like, sorry, you're gone. Wow. And that's your whole market. Mm -hmm. Like you built this business on selling through this platform. If you're an influencer and your product is selling yourself on this platform, if you're off that platform, where do you have? Yeah. Or where are you? And so that's the scary thing about like only all your eggs in one basket of social media. Yeah. Um, I do, I, part of me is like a platform is a platform. People should be able to say or do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. But then the other part of me is like, well, no, 
because yeah. I'm a reasonable person and <laughs> don't think that people should be able to post whatever they and want. You, and you know that there are unreasonable people. There are unreasonable people and people that post things that are dangerous or yeah. things that are, sure. yeah. And so it's, it's hard um, to come up with my opinion. Like, again, being a nine, like I don't make mm. solid opinions sure, very easily. Uh, I like to see both sides and yeah, yeah every, there's two sides to every coin. And it's hard for me always to like pick one if I have to. Yeah. But um, I use social media. It's one thing I do, but I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't try and build my business completely on social media. Yeah. Um, but you also should be on it. Like if <laughs> yeah. you're a business and you are only advertising in the paper, you are missing 99% of people nowadays. Yeah. Um, so you have to diversify. I think it's, like everything, you just have to be diversified in everything. I mean, that's a fascinating perspective because I think I'd lean towards like, yeah, that's no, great. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Use it and do and it's awesome. Yeah. But even to think through. It is, but it wouldn't be your only thing. Oh, absolutely not. Like yeah. obviously with um, real estate, I'm sure you have lots of avenues that you're trying to get clients through. And it's not just social media. No, no. Right. It's yeah. And managing relationships and, and so much of that because I feel like that's way more um, yeah, it's the way ROI more reliable and the, yeah. Yeah, the ROI is so much better of like pour into a person mm-hmm. and let that relationship per- speak and it goes I guess to the quality thing of like right. I'm selling them on me That's, right. you yeah. know, we don't sell houses we sell ourselves right. it doesn't matter like that was always my beef with other realtors who are just like posting house porn where it's just mm-hmm. like, look at this beautiful $2 million. Right. Da, 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 da. And it's like, cool. Yeah. It doesn't help me. Yeah. If I, I'm if looking. I befriend the buyer, like, yeah. all the people that you're showing that house to, and I befriend them and they take me to go buy the house and use me to buy the house. How does that serve you? you just, right. You're advertising the house. But I think that's really interesting. I mean, you have, you've had this, uh, kind of wild journey from skateboarding photography and all of that mm-hmm. to glamorous wedding photography across the country internationally. Yeah. Mexico. Yeah, that yeah. counts yeah. internationally yeah. across the world, south of the border, yeah. <laughs> uh, up and down the Northwestern hemisphere. <laughs> and, uh, and then in pretty cool. And you have been a part of this genuinely interesting and, uh, I, I just think really successful business that's obviously has plenty of room to grow, but mm-hmm. I mean, to be in the stores that you're in and be a cro- to sell as many products yeah. <laughs> as you have in a year. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's crazy. And as we've talked about some of this hustle culture, entrepreneurial culture, I mean, what advice would you give to any listeners that are starting on this journey or thinking about making a change or are in the nine to five and they don't want to be mm. any tips, advice or lessons that you've learned that you wish somebody would have shared with you? Man, that's a big one too. It's like five uh, questions. Too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, there's two types of people, like you've said, when it comes to small business owners, there's people that just are looking for an opportunity and they don't really care what it is. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that, have an idea or want to do something and how can they make that into a business? So I think you have to figure out what, what it is, what your motivation is. Like, do you just want to be a business person and run a business and like Mm -hmm. be independent? Then there are, there's a reason that people own nail salons and car washes and, you know, all kinds of places that you see in a strip center, you don't think anything of it's because they make money. Yeah. And somebody is making money and running this business and it might not be the most glamorous and it, you know, might not be exciting, but it pays their bills and they may or may not do very well from it. And they may not, they may make way more than any of us will ever make with our little companies. Um, 
So that's one side of it. You have to decide what your motivation is. Mm -hmm. If you decide it's not money, then I would say um, try things. I am... I'm way more of like a hedge my bet kind of person and always have been. That's why I'm always in multiple things and I've had multiple jobs at the same time. Yeah. Um, just cause I want to see what can go where. And, um, so I think just trying things, you don't, you don't have to jump in 100% into anything immediately. Mm-hmm. You can take a slow path to everything. And for us, it's like, we've grown a ton, but at the same time, it's been very slow and way slower than it would have been had we have, taken out a loan had we have like gotten outside investors like we could have we've had to turn down a lot of work last year we turned down a lot of work because we didn't have the capacity mm-hmm. even though we grew our capacity double we've doubled our capacity essentially every year that just didn't meet demand yeah but we were not willing to go take out a big loan or give a chunk of our company's equity away mm-hmm. just to be able to grow faster because that we feel like what we have um is like a business that we're trying to grow an actual business and not just something that we were trying to inflate and sell as soon as we can. Yeah. And that is a method that a lot of people use. And that's great. If, if you're that type of person, that's what you want. Like we want to grow a business that's going to mm-hmm. be here for a while and that can employ people and, um, continue to do cool things. So I think a slow method works for that. Um, you know, it has its pluses and minuses, but like collaborating with people, you don't necessarily have to like straight up partner with people, but like mm-hmm. for us, that's how we've been able to grow is like, we've pulled resources. We've pulled, you know, all of our experiences, every single person mm-hmm. in our company. Um, even originally the seven of us had our own business. And, um, so everybody had an experience. Everybody knew what it takes to be an entrepreneur, what it takes yeah. to be solo and being able to share burdens is, really great Mm -hmm. um it creates different challenges but but yeah being able to like feel like it's not just on me and different people are better at different things and like if it was just my if pretty cool was just my company it wouldn't be where it is now 100 percent for sure um but i also would have had to hire people to do things that other people like catherine or mike or carrie or eric are doing yeah or uh, it just wouldn't have happened. It just would have fizzled out. But like, yeah. I can't do any of the back end stuff. Like you talk about redundancies. Like I, I physically can't make the products. That's, that's yeah. a given, <laughs> but I can't do what Catherine does. Mm. I can't do what, like design a line sheet and cool graphics. And I can't run the back end of our website. Mm-hmm. And, um, I wouldn't know how much to price something at without us like collectively, yeah. Brainstorming and researching and doing market research and stuff like that. Um, so I'd say if you can get together with people that have differing backgrounds, things that like counterbalance you is yeah. super helpful. Um, yeah. You always want somebody that can like challenge you too is a good thing. Like I hate being challenged. I hate conflict sure. more than anybody. Yeah. And everyone in our company does basically because we're like, essentially all and all seven of us were introverts i'm the most extroverted i'm like i'm one of those yeah hover around the mm-hmm. the bar people but there's like seven people that don't like conflict yeah. so sometimes that uh makes things up in the air a lot um but it's good to be challenged and i like like it now and i think yeah. it's good to challenge people um because we all have the same goal and best interests for the company yeah um 
that was a very roundabout way of answering the I know, question. I, but, I think it's I think it's fantastic, and I think that that knowing your motivations and figuring that out and trying to be really honest with yourself about it, because mm-hmm. I think that our capacity to lie to ourselves and oh, say, yeah. oh yeah, no, I'm just about the passion. It's mm-hmm. like, no, actually the sooner you figure out that you really just want the bag of money, mm-hmm. actually the better off you'll be. Yeah. And you, oh, that's I not, wish. A, not a shame. I wish it was that. Yeah. yeah. Like go do it, get you, yeah. go get it and, and enjoy it. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, no shame in that. Yeah. And and similarly, like, if you really do have that passion, you figure out and you're like, you know what? I don't want the money. The, the sooner you can figure that out, like, cool. Then go be a small vendor at a pop-up and do the market scene and just let it be that. If that's if it's just about creating the thing because you love the thing and you don't even want to sell it, like, that, then fine. Do that. Right. Like knowing those motivations and then figuring out based on those motivations what the best path what the best path is forward, whether that's slow or it's go, you know, you want that bag of money, go get an investor and you don't yeah. need the freedom. You don't need the creative control, but right. you got the hustle. I see that a lot in the real estate industry. Mm. And I think I know that I could be a lot more profitable in real estate. Mm-hmm. But as I was saying before we started recording, like I really avoid investors, right? Like I, yeah. that's probably where I can make a lot of money and do mm-hmm. a lot of deals and build those relationships with people that are buying 20, 30 properties a year. And, but the type of work it is just isn't interesting to me and mm-hmm. it's not what I want to spend my time doing. And so I'll take less money to hang out with my kids and get to talk with interesting right. people like yourself and and do all that. Yeah, so. I think like the desire for freedom is definitely one of if you really 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 have that. That's what you want more than anything, more than money. Yeah. If you're going to like dial back your lifestyle, whatever, like you just need to be free, then entrepreneurship is like the way to go. Like running your own things, way to go. Mm-hmm. Um or I, I think that's true or you know, to your point on mm-hmm there are hourly jobs yeah, where go sure. get an hourly job. And if yeah. you can work 40 hours, we can get enough hours and pay your bill and you're okay living in yeah. an apartment or whatever. That's not super nice, but you want to spend your evening playing Xbox every night. Fine. Mm-hmm. That's cool too. And yeah. there's, there's a path for that. And you know, I think that more and more, I know for at least the way I look at my kids, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Be a decent human being. Yeah. Contribute to society in the smallest of ways. Good job. And if however you want to do, like, that's fine. And I hope they do stuff that fulfills them and is interesting. And I hope that my life sets an example for them in that way of Mm -hmm. it's good to work. It's not bad to work. Right. Absolutely. Um, But find work that you enjoy, that you find meaningful. And uh, there's that. I feel like there's this, like, the Japanese um, Venn diagram thing where it's like, the four quadrants mm. of what you're good at, what somebody will pay you for, right. what you love, right. the fourth one. Like, you know, figure out where you need to be in that yeah. spectrum. And Yeah, and I don't want to, like you said, glorify entrepreneurship. Like, it is hard, and, like, I never thought I would be one. I still don't think I am one. I don't like the word, you know, like all that sure. kind of stuff, like the whole imposter syndrome yeah. stuff. But there is nothing wrong with working a nine-to-five. And, yeah. like, I it's great if it's something you care about and if you are okay with it or there's plenty of places now, like you said, like you can work remotely, you could be mm-hmm. anywhere. Um, but you, the people you've talked to so far, that's what it comes back to. It's like the control yeah. thing and the freedom flexibility thing. Like Tony could go be a chef at any restaurant. He sure. wanted to. James could go tattoo at any studio he wanted to, yeah. but there's a reason they don't. Yeah. And I think it's the same reason like you and I, don't either it's like 
yeah, you want to go hang out with your kids. Totally. Like we had to reschedule our podcast. Yeah. Sick kid. Sick kid. And you could stay home. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like, oh, I need to take a personal day at work. What if they're, what if I have this deadline? It's like, no, I can do my thing and I don't have to worry about a boss. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing. It's. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, thank you so much yeah. again for your generosity over the years and then your generosity with rescheduling and for the time today and sharing all this. I, this means the world to me and really enjoyed the conversation. And we'll, uh, if anybody is looking for a wedding photographer, you're the guy. And if anybody wants epic, cool home goods, pretty cool, we'll push people your way. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. A huge thank you to Jeff and to you for listening to this episode of Houston Made. It was people like Jeff who were willing to share their stories with me that inspired me to start my own business. And it's listeners like you who encourage me to keep making this show. If you're looking to connect with Jeff for wedding photography or pretty cool for some truly awesome home goods, you can find them on Instagram respectively at Jeff Photo and at pretty.cool, P-R-E-T-T-I dot C-O-O-L. As I mentioned in the interview, I'm a big fan of the coasters, mine are blue. And in this segment, I'll throw in another endorsement for their incense, particularly the Get A Room Aroma. If this is your first time listening to Houston Made, I'd absolutely recommend you check out some of our other episodes with guests from all kinds of industries, ranging from education to the food industry, tattooing to electric scooter rentals. If you're interested in connecting further, you can find me on Instagram at Rusty J Gates or the show at Houston Made Podcast. I'd absolutely love to hear about your projects and the endeavors you're working to get off the ground. Houston Made is hosted by me, Rusty Gates, produced and edited in collaboration with Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by Stephanie Leal and Sarah Alwegfi in collaboration with Mac Ryan Creative. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, new friends. Houston Made is glad to be a part of the Million Media neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. We are people who care deeply about human connection, and in our neighborhood, we find that connection by hearing and appreciating one another's stories and by sharing our own. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers from all kinds of backgrounds, visit milumedia.com. <laughs>